This is a Soul Fire production. Yo, everybody, I'm glad to be here with you today for another episode of Politically Homeless. I'm taking Tim Dillon's advice, and I just haven't paid attention to Ukraine, so we're not talking about Ukraine today. If you were here for a Ukraine update for me, you're in the wrong place. Go back a couple weeks, because I just, the circle jerk just, just did it to me, man. It's weird. We, we're in this time in the world right now that's, that's, that's it's tripping me out. It's tripping me out a little bit, because it seems like the trend is this kind of tug of war over how we're going to indoctrinate children. It's not whether or not children will be indoctrinated into some kind of folly. It's how we're going to do it. It's like, it's just conservatives being like, we want to indoctrinate kids this way. And liberals are like, no, we're going to indoctrinate them this way and get them to cut their dicks off. It's a weird, it's a weird situation. I just, I, I, (laughs) I can't even like wrap up. I was literally sitting on the couch yesterday last night and I meant to record this yesterday, but I just was having trouble putting it all together. And I was sitting on the couch and I was just, something came up on Instagram and I think it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, we live in a fucking insane society. And for whatever reason, I've had more frustration with the conservatives as of late. And that will definitely come through in this show. Uh, you'll see a little bit of that in this show in the way that I'm just kind of, I, I don't know. They just, they've, maybe they've had too much airtime and they're, and they're getting to that point in in the conversation where it's not really going anywhere, so they're just kind of shouting out weird shit. Like I don't, I don't really know what we're doing here. I really have no idea. I mean, it's it's frustrating, but at the same time, I get it. Like when you these people like because the Democrats have gone so far south. Like it's just it's tanked in so many ways there's not really any checks on on conservative nonsense. And maybe that's my responsibility is just to be a check on nonsense on both sides. Maybe that's why you're here. You know, I mean, let's just use this for an example. We're not going to do a whole segment on this because it's not really worth it. But Jen Psaki going to MSNBC. Like, what? She's doing negotiations with MSNBC over her new show while she's the press secretary for the United, for, for the president of the United States of America. That's that's so close. I mean, that's state. That's that's not even close. It's state-sponsored media at this point. Now, instead of having one outlet, right, like a like the 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 state owns an outlet, like you have in Russia, you just have multiple outlets, right? So you have CNN and MSNBC that are state-sponsored by the Democrats, and you have Fox News and these other like kind of fringe outlets that are state-sponsored media by the conservatives, by the Republicans. It's just. It's just one of those things where it's like I, I, I'm I'm stuck in this middle place, and it's to be honest, like I understand the appeal to being a partisan hack. Like I actually underst- I understand the appeal of being a partisan hack more now than I ever have, um, because it's exhausting to do what I do. It's exhausting. I mean. I don't know if I should have gone a different direction and been like a comedian or something. So I didn't have to take this shit so seriously, but sometimes I get frustrated. And sometimes I just can't find a fuck to give. And today we're going to try and keep the show a little lighter and have some fun uh, because I desperately need it <laughs> for my own mental health. But 
it just it's it's easier to do that. It's easier to do that. It's easier to just kind of like follow the 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 well beaten path, you know. And partisan hackery is is part of that. But this is you know to have a handful of controversial opinions and try and and look at things and and withhold my cognitive bias, which absolutely does exist, right? We all have it. It's it's, it's an essential part of of, of human nature. It, it is what it is. Like there's no denying that you have a bias in in a variety of ways, depending on what your values are and what your lived experience is. Like those are normal things that develop in our in our lives, and it's not something to be ashamed of, but it's something to understand. It's worth understanding, but trying to buck that and dive into these things and try and make it entertaining and informative and all that kind of fun stuff. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's exhausting. It really is. It's, it's a lot, it would be a lot easier to do in my opinion, what like somebody like Ben Shapiro does. Like it's predictable. Kyle Kalinske, same thing. I don't really watch much of either one of those guys. They're kind of the same, you know, two different people, the same person on two different sides of many issues, but it's predictable. I don't really need to, I mean, I know what he's going to say. Both of them. I know what I know what they're gonna say, you know. I mean, and my hope here is that sometimes I may surprise you, <laughs> right? Maybe every now and then you may be like, "Oh, wow, didn't see that coming." And maybe that's good. I don't know, but I've been considering a lot of these things and like where this whole like brand is going from here. Um, and it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting thing to think about. But we've got a lot to talk about today. I mean, actually, we don't. We don't have. I, sh- I always say that we don't have that much to talk about today. But we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna get into the don't say gay situation, and. I think I will be leaving that segment um, in in a in a scorched earth type um, result. I don't even know that even that, that sentence doesn't make any sense, but you get what I'm saying. I am beyond frustrated and annoyed with both sides of this issue. Like it, it's it's gotten to be just bad all the way around, and we're gonna get into some of that. We're going to talk a little bit about Madison Cawthorn. We're going to go into some marijuana legislation stuff and how your pro-freedom Republicans are going to fucking shit the bed on that. We're going to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter, and we're going to talk about UFOs. That's where we're at today. And then I'm going to talk about the scale of problems and indoctrination and something to think about, which, guys, and I'm going to put this this as a disclaimer. For the Christians out there, I don't have a problem with Christianity. I think there are improvements that can be made to the way that it is practiced. I think that it's been bastardized and the teachings of Jesus have, ba- have been bastardized over <sighs> centuries, <laughs> right? To become what it is today. Um, I wish people could take a more objective view of it from within the belief system. But if that works for you and that's your thing, be my guest. I don't have any problem with that. I respect your your right to choose whatever spiritual practices work for you. I put, I don't think that being a Satanist is any worse or better than being a Christian or being an, being Islam or a Taoist or whatever. Right. I do hold, and here's where I, let's, let's acknowledge some bias. I do hold Buddhism in a, a higher place than I do many other dogmatic religions. It holds up to uh, psychological scrutiny. It doesn't have the same attachment to uh, the capital T truth. That's not necessarily the point. So I provide it provides me with a better framework personally, um, and more freedom, and, and more invitation to to personal understanding. Um, that's me, right? That's where I'm at. But I respect your decision to do whatever you want to do. That being said, 
because I don't, I don't view your belief system as sacred, right? This is the same kind of take that the, the creators of South Park have with many things they do. I don't see your belief system as sacred, right? That's not a requirement to exist in my life. It's not my thing. So I will criticize it as an institution that has influence that I, that, that I do not believe to be sacred. I don't need to apologize to that, but I do need to put that disclaimer out there because I understand why when somebody comes at a belief system that you believe is, is a part of your identity and who you are, why you would take that personally. I would recommend the book, The Four Agreements. It's a great book, and it goes into the, the power of not taking things personally and being able to zoom out. And I would hope that you guys can do that. And again, I have a lot of respect for you. Everybody who's listening to this, I have a lot of respect for you. That's why I don't put out stupid bullshit. That's why I try and dodge the clickbaity nonsense unless we're just having some fun. And I don't, <laughs> I don't pick ridiculous hills to die on that are, that are to gain an audience. If I wanted to do that, I would go down the partisan hack road because it's way easier to grow an audience that way. You know, you could, you, people really do want predict, predictability. That's really what people desire in their pundits. And the, the, those of you that listen to this show... I like to think that y'all are a little bit different. Maybe that's my own uh, self-aggrandizing. I don't know. But I like to think that y'all are a little bit different, and this is that's why you're here. So with that comes the, the, the burden of, of not taking things personally. And I, I really appreciate you guys do a great job of that. But I wanted to put that disclaimer out there because we are going to talk about indoctrination later on in this show. And I will be critical of your belief system. It's not critical of you. Do your thing. Do whatever you want to do. But maybe zoom out and maybe just do your best to not take it super personal. So, and if you have any uh, problems or feedback or questions or if you want to get into this kind of thing, a great place to do that is in the Patreon. The Politically Homeless Premium Patreon. Guys, you get uh, bonus episodes every week. You get ad-free episodes early from the Thought Criminals podcast which is now it is live. It's out there in the world. I'll probably be posting interviews about once every two weeks for now and see how that goes. And then maybe, maybe move to one a week as we go forward. But check it out, guys. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. The link is in the show notes of this show. Would love to have you in there. It's a great place for dialogue, respectful dialogue, going back and forth, asking good questions, and just pontificating as a group. I really love it in there. We have an amazing crew, and I would love for you to be part of it. But with that being said, let's get into the state of things right now. You get a sip of my liquid death here. So it turns out that Madison Cawthorn youngest representative, elected representative, is a bit of a narc. <laughs> Madison Cawthorn is a bit of a narc. This is funny, and we're just going to have some fun today, as like I said, but I wanted to play this. Now, this is on the uh, Warrior Poet Society, which I actually worked for a guy who had a podcast called the Warrior Poet Podcast, um, and now it is, it's, a, it's named after him, if you know what that is, special trivia points for you. Um, Definitely much different than this dude. This dude looks like if he wasn't doing this podcast, he would be a youth minister. Like that is the archetype that this guy fulfills 
Absolutely. Um, and even listen to the way he talks. It's really funny. It's like, it's, it sounds like we're about to sing, Lord, I lift your name on high. But um, he's talking to Madison about corruption in D.C. And this first bit is just, it's amazing. Let's get into it. So now that you've been in Congress for how long? Been there, this is my, I'm going on my second year. So long enough that you kind of have the lay of the land, right? I know where the bathrooms are at this point. Fantastic. It's a funny way to say it. That's great. Uh, to me, as an onlooker, I hate politics. I really dislike politicians. Uh, you're okay-ish. Right. That's a really uh, so that, that's a high bar. I'm okay. That's a high bar. I'm like, mm, yeah. man, well, it's just just because I feel like it's just such rampant corruption. Yes. And I feel like every time a politician speaks, it's all these like empty platitudes, like it's a competition. How corrupt is it? Uh, number one, I think that it has to do with the really the fallen nature of man. Uh, a lot of these people are all big fish in a little pond where they come from. They're all very important. Now, they now have the name honorable in front of them. They've got bulletproof glass, velvet ropes, security everywhere they go. Um, and then they get to Washington, and they're no longer the big fish in a little pond. They're just a fish in a very large ocean, and everyone's a big fish. A few years ago, my wife and I started watching a disgusting show, and we ended up giving up on it after a while, but it was an interesting study for us. It was revealing. It was a, a show called House of Cards. I'm going to turn my hat around for this. This is. Are you familiar with House of Cards? It's about to get serious. Yes, I am. With uh, Kevin Spacey. And I forget who else uh, was in it. Uh, but anyway, really well done show. Very really, well done very show. Very well done show. But it was so dirty and it was about this. This uh, guy talking about how dirty the show was. It's like, dude, it's a, it's, it's a, TV, it's a, it's a TV show. It was so dirty. All right, I just couldn't. It was just so, the guy's kissing was just too much for me. It was, it's like, what do you do? Relax. A congressman uh, who was Kevin Spacey who was, I think it was minority or majority whip. Yep. What was it? Yeah. And so anyway, very, very powerful guy. And it was just kind of like his secret life of all this corruption and power and money and perversion. And it was just perversion. dirty. How much, in your opinion, because you've been behind the veil, is this a fictitious show? Or is this more closer to like a documentary? Is, is it that bad? So I heard a former president that we had in the 90s was asked the question about this. And he gave an answer that I thought was so true. And he said, the only thing that's not accurate in that show is that you could never get a piece of legislation about, uh, about education passed that quickly. And everything else is good. Uh, aside from that, I mean, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington with the average age is probably 60 or 70. And I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, wow, this is, this is wild. And then there's also kind of the whole espionage aspect of what goes on in Washington of, you know, so many people trade in secrets and there, there's a currency to secrets. And yeah. so uh, it, it's wild. And then, you know, there's members of the, of the, the media, the journalists who kind of will keep nasty stories about you or about other people on a shelf. And then if you're about to kind of speak out against something they don't want you to, they'll come out and say, well, we're about to drop the story of when, you know, 17 years ago you did X, Y, and Z. And you don't want us to drop that story, do you? So, we're, we're so 
We'll cut it off there. This actually, I watched the rest of this interview. It's actually pretty good. It talks about lobbyists and these different things and kind of how things get done, which is always nice to see behind the curtain. And somebody like Madison's pretty good at doing that kind of thing, even though it's hyper biased. That being said, him talking about uh, being invited to orgies from 70 year old, 70 year old men. Like all I could think about was just, was just like Mitch McConnell getting dome from like some Lizzo sized, like hooker. Like this is like, that's just what crowds. I'm like, what is that? That's is that what's happening now? I want to be in Congress just so I can get invited to these things just to see what the fuck is going on. Like I want to go to a party where Ted Cruz is just doing rails off the coffee table. That sounds fucking hilarious. That sounds insane. Is this really the way it goes? Like now that being said, if somebody does cocaine recreationally and they're also leading um, some legislation on doing something about addiction, like recreational drug use and addiction are not the same thing. Recreational drug use can be fun and healthy. And if you do it responsibly, it can be really good for you. Honestly, I, I, I've had that experience and I know a lot of other people that have had that experience. If you're not predisposed to something like cocaine addiction, which by the way, the first time that I did cocaine. I was in my, was I in my late twenties? Maybe the first time I did cocaine, I was like, Oh my God, I can see how people get addicted to this really badly. Like it was the best. It was one of those drugs where it's like, Oh, I have a cocaine come down. The best thing to solve that problem is cocaine. Like it's one of those things where you've got to be, you got to get, kind of have your shit together and understand, have a little bit of self-awareness around what's driving you before you get into anything like that. But if you can do it casually and recreationally and, and, and not get, have a problem with it. And most people that do cocaine, don't have a problem with it, right? So I don't really like the idea that you're like calling people's uh, sexual preferences and their exploration into their own consciousness uh, perversions. I think that's not necessarily appropriate or or fair. Like if somebody wants to have fucking orgies, somebody can have orgies. They have the freedom to do that. This is fucking America. Now, if that same person is going out and, uh, you know, maybe he's getting handies from a twink in a car somewhere and he's passing legislation that's like limiting gay rights, well, that can be a problem, right? That's something we need to know about. It's something we need to talk about but when you're thinking about these like like all these goofy looking elderly people in a fuck pile at someone's mansion that they got from their from, from their insider trading like it's just so in, insane like it's cartoonish and you know like the one person i was like who who are these like freshman congress people would be uh would be down right would be like fuck yeah man and the first person that came to mind was lauren bobert Lauren Boebert would have done a key bump, jumped into the sex pile, and you know she would have been down. You've seen. She's been arrested for getting, for wilding out numerous times, and her husband likes to show his pee-pee to little girls. So there's like all this kind of stuff. I'm like, huh, I think she's getting down. So I think the next question should be, Lauren Boebert, how are the congressional fuck parties? That's the real question. But this is insane. Madison Cawthorn, the best thing you've ever done is this podcast. Thank you so much for being who you are and showing, shedding light on the darkness that exists in the congressional orgies. So the House has passed the Moore Act again, which would decriminalize marijuana at the federal level and give the states the right to choose, which would be great, even though a lot of states already have, and, uh, and do some things to invest back into the communities that were most damaged by the war on drugs and are continually damaged by the war on drugs. Now, last time this was passed, this is in 2020, you may remember um, that we talked about it at the time. He got stalled out in the Senate thanks to being Republican-led, and um, COVID was going on. So there was a lot of ways that this doesn't really catch the attention that it deserved. But now that we don't have COVID as much to deal with, or really at all, but we can still pretend, um, 
we may get a little more pressure put on this, and I would really like to see that. So this is moved through the House, mostly along party lines. Mostly along party lines, Democrats for, there were a few uh, Republicans for, a couple of Democrats voted against, but mostly party lines. Now, that's your pro-freedom Republicans, guys. That is your pro-freedom Republicans, the bastions of liberty, voting against the federal legalization of marijuana. Now, they say it's because it's a social justice piece of legislation, which is true. And it's also true that the drug laws were put in place, right, by Nixon and perpetuated by Reagan and Clinton and, yes, Biden. But was, were, they were put on the, the psychedelics and marijuana, were put on the Schedule One docket, right, in order to punish black people and hippies. This is not a joke. This is a fact. This is why they were put there. Okay, not because they were problematic, because they led to things like, I don't know, people not wanting to go fight a war in fucking Vietnam. That is what drove that. Racism and war lust. So we have to keep all these kind of things in mind, right? Now, we're going to break into what this is. Now, we actually played the same exact video in 2020, but we're going to play it again because it's a good breakdown from somebody called Barry Law Firm. And it goes into what this means just so we have a better breakdown. Hello, my name is Seth Morris, attorney at Barry Law Firm. For today's Timely Talk, we're going to be discussing the MORE Act. Uh, that is the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. Uh, this has been going through the House Judiciary Committee and was recently passed. Uh, so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be discussing kind of what this actually means uh, and then finally kind of what's the path uh, for this to get through and become law. So uh, first, let's start with the first letter, M. So M, marijuana. So what this act is going to do is it's going to completely deschedulize marijuana. So when deschedulizing, it removes it from uh, being an illegal substance. Uh, note that doesn't make it a legal substance. So basically, this treats it the same as alcohol, right? States can make their own decisions on how they want to treat this. Uh, realistically, this is the best case scenario because we don't want to have to deal with federal regulations. Let's let the states decide on how they want to handle things. And from a Nebraska perspective, it's great because a lot of what people who are opposing uh, legalizing marijuana will say, well, it's in violation of federal law. We can't do that. Basically, that knocks that argument down and it provides a path uh, to get this uh, legal in our state. All right, so O is opportunity. So what opportunity means is Basically, the opportunity and reinvestment, they both stem from the same thing, and that's a 5% federal tax on all marijuana sold or all marijuana products sold. So with opportunity, uh, there are two big things that they're emphasizing in this legislative bill is so small business loans and then also an equitable licensing practice. So with the small business loans, it's helping you know, small businesses get off the ground, and the licensing and the fees on these things, is, depending on the state, can be ridiculous. I mean, look at California. It's out of control. People can't afford to do it the legal way. So what he's talking about there, 
is a, a pathway to, to legal distribution because right now it's so cost prohibitive. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? To get to a place where you can have a legal dispensary or a grow operation. And what that does is create a barrier to entry for those people, right? Maybe they've been running illegal grow ops and they want to move to legal. The, the barrier to entry is, is so high that what it's only allowing for is the same type of people that capitalize on every opportunity that exists in our country and that keep driving the wealth gap to be what it is now, right? And barring people that that are of lower means from getting involved in the market and creating more competition. So I think that this pathway, the small business loan piece, because that will help people get to a place where they can provide more competition in the market, will create a better product, better services, and a pathway to bring people out of poverty in a lot of ways. I think that that's, that's, that's a big part of this legislation that I think is incredibly important because, not that I'm saying that reparations are necessary, but in a way, I think that there should be opportunity zones for creating legal marijuana operations in the communities that bring some vitality to those communities, bring some finances to those communities that were damaged the most in the current drug war. And again, this is just the beginning, but I think that should be an essential part of any legislation passed that has to do with marijuana. Let's continue. And so basically, uh, they're going to use this tax and provide opportunities for people uh, of lower income base to get started in the industry. R stands for reinvestment. Uh, so what this reinvestment is they're taking part of that 5% uh, federal tax. And what they're doing is they're reinvesting that and really they're focusing on community-based programs and specifically communities that have been most impacted uh, by the war on drugs. And so what they're doing is they're providing education, uh, health education, uh, literacy programs, and uh, they're trying to provide at the state level uh, legal aid for criminal cases involving marijuana and then also uh, for what we're gonna get here uh, and that's e-expungement. So before we get into that, I think another great use of those funds, and one thing that I really dislike about the way that taxation is run, there's many things, but is that everything kind of goes into this like big pile, right? It's like this big pile of money and then things, it's just, it, it's so sloppy. Where I want to know like the 5% tax for marijuana is going into these communities and going into drug rehabilitation, right? If you can make a ton of money selling weed, which Colorado makes a ton of money, the, I mean, the billions upon billions and billions of dollars that would be collected in a 5% tax on weed, which by the way, weed in Colorado is cheaper than weed was on the street back when I was in college in Texas, right? Like $20 a gram, what was it? $20 a gram, 40 and eighth. Or 60 and 8th, excuse me. Like it's way, I think it's 30 and 8th here usually now for flour. So it's, it's, it's much cheaper than trying to get it on, on the street. But there's still an incentive, like I said, for big uh, illegal grow ops that, you know, just don't feel like paying the half million dollars they have to pay or a million dollars they have to pay to become legal. So what we're looking at here is I want to see that money going into these programs. I want to see that money going into uh, housing programs like what Schellenberger is talking about in California for the homeless, right? Because a lot of that is fueled by drug addiction and mental, mental health issues. Like this is a great way to create revenue that is specifically for those purposes and only for those purposes, right? I don't want to see a fucking cent from this money going to Lockheed Martin. That's what I'm getting at. I want to know this is the money. This is where it goes. This is how it's being used. And this is how it's working. Now, is that too much to ask from our federal government? Absolutely, because they're fucking cunts. But it's a good idea, never, nonetheless. But on the R, so basically this is taking it at the uh, community level and trying to help these communities that have been most impacted uh, by the war on drugs. And so finally, E, expungement. So there's two really huge things here. Uh, so basically what they're doing is any uh, qualifying 
federal cannabis offense uh, can be automatically expunged. Um, exactly what that process looks, well, I mean, that's going to, to vary and it hasn't been exactly ironed out from what I was able to read. But there is a path to get uh, a criminal conviction for marijuana expunged. Expunged is the gold standard because it seals it and it's like it's not even there. Uh, in Nebraska, you can receive a pardon, but if someone runs a background check, they're still going to see that you were uh, arrested and convicted of a felony marijuana offense, but with an expungement, that's not even going to show up. The second is, from an immigration standpoint, it's not going to be some, uh, I guess, a marijuana offense uh, conviction is not something that can be used against you for the purposes of deportation. So uh, it helps people, um, you know, get their kind of lives back on track from the expungement standpoint, and then it helps people that, that are immigrants here and have done uh, nothing that's no longer a crime and they can't be deported for that. Um, so the, the question people have is, okay, so this passed the House Judiciary Committee, what's the next step? Well, this has to be voted on by seven other committees um, in the House. And so whether or not these seven committees are going to take that up, I have. So that's relevant here because we did, it has passed the House now. So here's where we're at. Now, the thing I really want to point out here is, is again, this party lines argument. Um, the Republicans have been, and again, I, there are some, the Clinton Bidens of the world, like, yeah, uh, it was very problematic the way that they handled themselves when it came to drug war as well. And then not letting them off the hook for that. But the Republicans have led this movement in the same way that they led the movement to not allow gay people to get married. I will die on this hill. Republicans are not pro freedom. There are a handful that are, but generally speaking, they're not. Okay, that's not really what they they want. They desire. They just want authoritarian power in a different way, a different flavor of bullshit than what the Democrats want. Now, is are they the better option today? Yeah, they are. Okay, that's how I feel. It's where I'm at. Is it going to stay that way? No. And when they're in power, am I going to shit on them just as much as I shit on Joe Biden? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. But when we look at this whole thing here, this is an assault on our freedom. Like the drug law, our current drug laws are an assault on our freedom. If you want to go check this out, there's a, another, another uh, video by Jake Tran who breaks down why psychedelics became illegal and schedule one drugs. And it's, it's explicitly racist guys. I mean, when you want to talk about like, there was an argument on Fox news the other day I was watching, I think breaking points shared it about, about what systems are in place that are explicitly racist. And I'm like our drug laws it, full stop. You want, to see, you want to sit here and tell me that systemic racism doesn't exist, then why does crack have a 10x penalty to powder cocaine? That's a racist law. They're, the drug laws are explicitly racist. Again, I will die on that hill because it's a goddamn fact. And you still have these conservatives, for whatever reason, right, maybe the same ones that Madison Cawthorn was talking about doing key bumps in, on the congressional floor or whatever the fuck he was talking about, like those are the people that are getting in the way of this legislation for some reason. I don't understand why. Maybe it's pharmaceutical lobby money. I don't know. I, 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 it, it baffles me, right? I mean, if you think of, especially when it comes to psychedelic-assisted therapy and these other things that could fundamentally change the fabric of our society for the better, dealing with our mental health crisis, dealing with with so many issues we have a PTSD from the the number of the what seven wars we've been in the past 20 years like this is all right there it's all right there what it needs what we need is a little open-mindedness a little curiosity and and to back off of this fake moral grandstanding that has been plaguing our country for decades i mean my entire fucking life 
I've been dealing with this, this, this fake morality based on God knows what. It's insane. It's insane. And now this is going to go to the Senate. And I think what ha- what's happening here in the way to look at this is to say, hey, the, the, the Democrats are actually doing something that's politically smart. Like, I didn't think this was going to happen until after the midterms when they didn't have power anymore so they could complain about not doing anything when they really don't want to do anything. Like that's, that's kind of their MO. But they're putting it here before the midterms, maybe in a way to gain back a little public favor by showing how ridiculous Republicans can be. And my question is, will the Republicans take the bait? Or are they going to show some maturity, grow the fuck up, and allow for this to get through? Or are they going to find some nitpicky bullshit, right? In the same way, in the same way that the Democrats have done with the don't say gay bill in Florida, right? Pull out one little piece out of context and then use that to create this like whole fucking moral outrage over this thing. When in reality, they have no justification, no justification. So we'll see. I mean, the ball is really in the in the court of the Republicans at the in the Senate. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be really interesting to see how this all shakes out, though. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. You've heard me say it once. You've heard me say it a million times. This is one of the best companies in the game. Now, I know the founders, so I'm a little bit biased. They're amazing people. But they just came out with this new supplement. Not a new supplement, but a new combination a, a, um, a cornucopia of magnificence, if you will, in the form of what they're calling their nightcaps. Full spectrum spectrum CBD extract, high levels of CBN, 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN in a new, new, new nice little capsule. <laughs> I'll be taking this tonight because I need a solid night's sleep. So what we do in the Moore household is one nightcap with two of their Zen caps. So it gives you some more CBD and the combination together. I mean, the sleep is, it's just something special. Like it's, it's one of those things where your sleep is so good that you're almost bummed that you have to wake up. But when you do wake up, you're in such a good mood because you've got such good sleep that you're excited to wake up. It's really a, a bunch of emotions happening at one time because the sleep is, is that good. It's, it really is something special. Like that's the, that's the best way I can put it. And with the high quality sourcing, high quality ingredients for this product, you know that you're supporting a badass business that also puts their money where their mouth is sponsoring shows like this one. Not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. Now I'm not the daily wire. I'm not going to start crying because people don't want to sponsor me because I say things that may be problematic, but I will say that when a company does go out put themselves on a limb here and sponsor a show like this, they deserve your respect. And also they deserve your fucking money. Okay. So yeah, this stuff isn't cheap. It's not cheap. But if you hit that link in the show notes and go to curednutrition.com, use promo code homeless, you're going to get 10% off and you're going to get the free shipping, but make sure to use that link in the show notes. They know that you came from this show to get your goods. It's very important. It's a very, very important part of the process. Guys, nightcaps are amazing. They've also got just a whole it's just a badass series of products. They have different bundles. They've got pet CBD. If your pet is a little bit anxious, a little bit wound up, like treat your, treat your pets right. Give them something delicious and also nutritious. Check it out, guys. Really amazing company. Can't say enough about it. I tell you guys all the time, you know what's up. If you haven't been over there yet, do it. 
if you ha- if you do buy stuff from them, thank you so much. Keep supporting this company as long as you love their supplements, and I know you will. Get over there one time, you buy a couple things, you'll be like, man, this stuff's really legit. And you're going to start buying more stuff, trying new stuff out. And before you know it, your life is better than you ever thought possible. And it's all because you listened to this podcast and Cured had the balls to sponsor it. That's just that's just amazing right there. So click those, click the link in the show notes, grab your goods, get some good night's sleep. I also recommend, and one thing they don't put on this, by the way, is there is 1.5 milligrams of THC in their nightcaps. And that's actually really important because for to get the full effects of the CBD, you do need a little bit of THC in there as well. So if you're not experienced, if you don't smoke weed or you don't do edibles, that you might feel a little bit of like um, a THC vibe from it, especially if you do more than one. I have done two, and it put me on my ass in a good way. But just just to be mindful of that when you're taking these products, like there's still it's under the legal limit to be a CBD supplement, but they really they push the line because they do see the value of CB of THC in their supplements as well. Well thought out, well put together, quality sourced, quality products. CuredNutrition.com promo code homeless. Get yourself ten percent off and. Uh, yeah, let's get back to the show. Florida's don't say gay bill or the parental rights of whatever bill. Disney's involved. DeSantis is grandstanding. People are pissed. The purple hairs are mad. The fucking Christians are mad at the other people. And this is happening in the conservatives. And this guys, it's become a fucking dumpster fire. I read the bill. I was, I was actually trying to record this earlier and I read part of an article. And I was like, this is just, I just want to give you my thoughts. I read the bill. Okay. Here's the bill right here. All right. I read through it. It's pretty standard. It's very obtuse, which I don't like. It's too obtuse in my opinion. It needs to be more specific in what they're trying to say. I think that they're intentionally doing that so that this can kind of like shoehorn into whatever situation they wanted to shoehorn into, which is annoying and a, a bad faith act, in my opinion, but it is what it is. That's how legislation is written at the state level. So what it basically says is um, you can't instruct or discuss, it says both, um, gender identity and sexuality or sexual uh, identity to kindergartners to third grade, right? Which, to me, is pretty uncontroversial. Like, let's just not. Like that's not the age in which this kind of stuff happens. You shouldn't be having conversations about sex with kids that aren't your own kids. I think in that probably like kindergarten through third grade area is where kids start asking questions about like, what does a PP do? Like these different kind of things. And that's a, that's a conversation for parents. And of course it's going to get brought up to teachers because there's going to be like discussions amongst kids and people are going to say things and it is what it is. Right. Like, so there's going to have to be some teacher being like, Hey, ask mommy and daddy about that or daddy and daddy or mommy and mommy, whatever, or ask somebody else. That's not me because it's a lot of pressure on a teacher and I can get fired. That's where we're at with that kind of thing. So after reading through this, I'm like, all right, so it's a culture war topic of the month. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks until something else happens. And we'll be talking about that. People act like this is more important than what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, which is also kind of interesting. Right? So So I just want to give my thoughts on kind of the overall vague, relatively meaningless bill that is being passed. Now there's some other ones following suit and we'll check those out in, in time. Some other States are trying to do similar things in the same way that the CRT bills kind of got passed around and all that kind of fun stuff, which were very similar, kind of different, but similar. So here's my thoughts. Let's just start off by pointing at the left here. All right. Your your purple hairs or whatever, your libtards, whatever you want to call these people, right? You guys need to shut the fuck up. Like you need to calm down. All right, like you got to stop. 
like kindergartners, second graders, third graders, like they don't need your programming. Okay. They don't need your indoctrination. That's not what they need. Okay. They need education. They need critical thinking skills. That's what they need to be doing. And you're trying to force your shit all over the place. Now if we're talking about Disney putting gay characters in movies. I'm all about that. Just like I said, I posted something the other day on Instagram saying, Hey, if, if a kid's old enough to be exposed to straight relationships, they're old enough to be exposed to gay relationships and have discussion about that. I think a kid should have zero friction. If they want to be gay, they want to be gay. Who cares? They want to try being gay for a while and not be gay. No one gives a shit. Okay? It's an important part of life. Figuring out how and who you want to fuck. It's an important thing. Okay? And it happens in due time. But maybe kindergarten through third grade, when really all you're using your downstairs for is to pee, like then that, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably not the time. So all of you, the left over here, that are up in arms about this, need to shut the fuck up up whining and complaining has never gotten anybody any friends has never reached across the aisle and never brought some kind of compromise now that being said let's move over to the right and look at how they're handling this in the worst way imaginable first off no one gives a shit about your pretend morality okay your your righteousness has caused more problems in this country that we were having to sort out now, in spite of you, with zero support from you, then I can even fucking count. And it's obnoxious. Okay? I think that there should be an easy transition from being a child growing into your sexuality, trying things out in your teens, without shame, without judgment. Hey, guess what? If you jerk off, you're not going to hell and you don't have to pray afterwards. Okay? Could you fucking chill with this shit? Now, I understand that many of you have a religious system that is completely based on shame and judgment that masquerades as some kind of compassion and some kind of some other bullshit. I get it. But that doesn't really need to be projected onto children either. How about this? I'm against indoctrination of children into wokeism or Christianity or Judaism or Islam or whatever else you can think of. How about we just don't indoctrinate children into things that they can't fully understand? Maybe we should take that stance. That's where I'm at. I'm coining that as the politically homeless stance, right? And you guys, the conservatives over here, acting like kindergarten teachers are running around giving blowjob lessons like Andy Dick in old school are ridiculous and you need to shut the fuck up too. Everybody would be better off if you would shut your fucking mouth. In the same way that everybody would be better off if the liberals over here that are crying about this would shut their fucking mouths. Because neither one of you actually understand what's in the bill and you don't really care. Which brings me to my next point. Reality versus interpretation. Think about working in school administration now that this bill is passed, right? Once it's signed. Think about working in that world. And then you find out that <laughs> some teacher is gay and some teacher call, some some parent calls up and is upset that the teacher talked about their husband when they after spring break. Yeah, me and my husband had a great spring break. And it's like you can't say that. You can't say that. Some fucking parent comes up to the school and starts fucking screaming. What are we doing here? People are idiots are going to interpret this in so many ways. And Florida's a great place, but it's also not known for having a high IQ. Okay? That's not really what it's for. It's known for fucking pythons eating iguanas. Like, and, and, and people catching gators out of a fucking fan boat. Like, what? 
You think people are going to understand the nuance and the complexities of a bill with big words that's very vague? No, of course they're not. Of course they're not. You know? And so much of this, from the conservatives, by the way, why don't you just admit it? Admit it, conservatives. What this is really about is you not wanting gay couples to be normalized. That's what it is. Quit blowing smoke up everybody's ass and just say what the fuck you mean. Because I can recommend, I can re- appreciate and respect Ben Shapiro because he's just openly homophobic, right? Right? Because these are the same people who were like 10 years ago were crying about gay marriage in the Bush era. They haven't changed their mind. Conservatives don't change their mind. What are we doing? And by the way, conservatives, you have zero credibility on the issue. Zero credibility because you've lied about drugs. You, you try to keep gay people from the freedom to get married. When it comes to social justice issues, you no one gives a fuck what you have to say because you've spent all your capital doing dumb shit that's done nothing but hurt the fucking country. So stick to economics and shut the fuck up. Stay in your lane. This isn't for you. God damn. The projection from the conservatives that everybody else has to fit in their moral framework is absurd. Is absurd. And we need to accept this fact, right? We need to accept this fact. Parents aren't really good at talking to their kids about sex. Okay? And as teenagers in high school, you need to have a conversation. I wish I would have had a class when I was like 17 or 18 and said like, hey, I know a lot of you guys are Christian because this, uh, this is the Bible belt, but here's all the options. And here's the difference. Here's all the different belief systems that you can kind of get into. And I know that a lot of you guys like are straight. Most of you are. That's just kind of how it goes. But here's all the other kinds of sexualities. I would have liked to hear about that kind of stuff in a sociology class, right? That'd be great. They should have added that on with the uh, financial literacy bill in Florida. That'd been awesome. Then you could have balanced it out. Be like, hey, we're going to have some open-minded discussions about that. Because guess what? When you're out in the world, you're going to have to engage with these kind of things and experience these different kinds of people. And that's part of it, right? But right now, I'm thinking about the second grader who has two moms or two dads and how they're going to feel and the kind of shit they're going to get. And I'm saying this coming from a place very similar to Florida, Texas, small town, Texas. And there were a couple kids in my grade when we were growing up in junior high and younger that were gay. And we knew they were gay before we even liked girls. You could just tell. And we knew what being gay was. And my only exposure to that point, uh, actually before that, it was, it was before I'd even watched Will and Grace when I was like 12, right? So this is before that. Those kids had such a hard time. I still feel shame for the way that those kids were treated. And I wasn't one of the worst ones, but I definitely wasn't helping. They were bullied incessantly. And maybe I wasn't as bad because I also was bullied, but goddamn. And it's not like those kids chose to be gay. They were just gay, man. And I would like for that kid or those kids who were gay to not have a harder time than a straight kid just trying to live your fucking life. And I don't think it's that much to ask to normalize something that's fucking normal and has been around since before your religion or before any other bullshit, right? Dudes have been fucking dudes, chicken been shut fucking chicks forever. Accept it, embrace it, move the fuck on. I just don't understand how we're still doing this, man. It's 2022. So while I agree that kindergartners probably don't need to learn that much about being trans, I also understand that parents aren't very equipped at handling these kind of conversations 
And I understand, like, well, you don't have kids. Well, I'm working on it, and I've thought about this a lot. It's also one of the benefits of not having kids in your early 20s. I get to think about this kind of stuff and watch other kids grow up with people, members of my family, my friends, and see how that goes. So I think the solution here is what a, we should have passed a bill that allowed for open sourcing of the curriculum and criticism of the curriculum and these kind of things. Create a marketplace for ideas, if you, if you will. But what we have to embrace and understand and really get down to, if your kid is going to munch rug, your kid's going to munch rug, okay? If your kid's going to suck dicks, your kid's going to suck dicks. You can try and pray the gay away. You can try and keep them from being exposed to any of this other shit. But it's not going to change anything. Because if you're gay, you're gay. No one told me to love titties. And the funny thing is, I don't even like titties that are that big. I like medium-sized titties. Why? I don't fucking know. Just where I'm at. What I'm doing. And no one told anybody who's gay to like dicks. Right? It is what it is. People are diverse. There's lots of different types of people. Can we just get on board with the fact that being gay is fine? It's normal. It's not controversial. It's not countercultural. It doesn't even need a flag. It doesn't need any of these things. It's just a way of living your fucking life with freedom. And isn't that what this fucking country is all about, really? So while I sympathize with people who don't want their kids indoctrinated into something that they don't like, I also understand that there's a role for people that are objective and outside the family teaching kids about things that they will encounter in their life in school at a certain time. Is that kindergarten to third grade? Absolutely not. But I do care about the girl who's got two moms or two dads and how they're going to be treated and how that's going to impact their life. But your experience in school is very important to the person you become. Social sorting, communication, introversion, extroversion, all these things kind of get built in those early social environments and much of that for children is school. So if you now normalize ostracizing kids because of their parents or their own identity or their own thoughts, well, you're not really helping anybody, are you? So I don't really have a strong stance for or against this thing. But I do stand by my principles. And it's something I think that, that, that has gone by the wayside in this country. That, is, it's, it's, that ship, it seems like it's just fucking sailed, man. That principles no longer exist. But it's the world we're living in. I guess it's the reality we have to deal with. But that's probably the last you're going to hear from me on the Don't Say Gay Bill from Florida. Next time the other one comes up, I'll probably say the same damn thing and just reshare this exact clip and just sub in Missouri or Oklahoma or whoever the fuck else wants to go be next and get some uh, conservative fucking social capital, whatever it is. But my number one piece of advice for everybody on this issue on all sides that's screaming and yelling is grow the fuck up. Jesus fucking Christ. UFOs left radiation burns and unaccounted for pregnancies. New Pentagon report claims encounters with UFOs are reportedly left America suffering from radiation burns, brain and nervous system damage, and even unaccounted for pregnancies, according to a massive database of U.S. government reports recently made public through a Freedom of Information Act 
request. Holy shit. Come take us all now. Now is now is when we need them. Now is when we need the aliens. <sighs> Bring them home, baby. Come on. Maybe I, I would love for them to come back and explain to us like how this all went down. Like, actually, we made you guys. This is kind of like a, we're like in a little bit of a, like an ant farm. Like, the, <laughs> the earth is an ant farm. So there's so many different types of you. We just put in a few different kinds of ants, and all of a sudden, here we are. But let's check this out, guys. The report describes 42 cases from medical files and 300 unpublished cases where humans uh, sustained injuries after alleged encounters with anomalous vehicles, which included UFOs. In some cases, humans showed burns injuries and other conditions related to electromagnetic radiation. The report says some of them appear to have been inflicted with or inflicted by an energy related propulsion system. Um, the report also noted cases of brain damage, nerve damage, heart palpitations, and headaches related to autonomous ve- uh, anomalous vehicle encounters. It is unclear what kind of vetting process, if any, the AATIP used to investigate these alleged cases. The Sun is yet to share the full contents of the requested reports. The reports also include a list of alleged biological effects from UFO sightings on human observers between 1873 and 1994. 1873. That kind of tripped me out. I wonder what was going on back then. Compiled by the Mutual UFO Network, a civilian nonprofit group that studies reported UFO sightings, the reported effects of UFO encounters include unaccounted for pregnancies, apparent abduction paralysis, and experience of perceived telepathy, teleportation, and levitation. The reports conclude that there is sufficient evidence to support a hypothesis that some advanced systems are already deployed and opaque to full U.S. understandings. Man, this is what we need to bring us all together, guys. Now, I know a lot of conspiracy theorists out there are like, yeah, this is predictive programming, and they're going to use this to institute a new world order. If this is what they do, right? If this is, what, if this is how the new world order comes about is via, like, UFOs and aliens, I'm in. That's cool. Uh, you know what? Like, well done. Well done, Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking insane. <laughs> it was all a big plan. George Soros, alien. Charles Klaus Schwab, alien. Like, why not? Fuck it. I mean, that honestly, that would be one of the least weird things that's happened in the United States in a long, long time. But you'd love to see it. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to have to listen to Joe Rogan talk about this. Maybe we'll have uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, what's her name? Jeremy, Jeremy Coburn, Coburn, whatever his name is. I'm excited to see what he has to say about this. But right now... It's that time of the show where I give you something to think about. So we can consider this kind of a continuation from the don't say gay bill situation. A little bit less fiery, but We'll still be talking about it. So what I want to discuss with you guys today and what I want you to think about is, is the scale of the problem. Now we're going to use this when it comes to like trans kids and this other stuff. Um, but this can be really this, the same kind of filter can be applied to many problems, right? Like what's the actual scale of the problem? Great example, for example, is uh, mass shootings, right? Mass shootings, problem, gun violence, much bigger problem. Mass shootings can uh, account for a very small number of gun deaths every year, but gun deaths kill. That's a lot of people, right? So really, like you would think, like the the most hyperbolic part of gun deaths 
generally is mass shootings. But it's a small part of a bigger problem. Okay? So we'll just use that as a kind of like cognitive framework for this. Now, let's apply that same thing to indoctrination of children that causes trauma in their life, right? Let's say, we, 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 we say tra- let's, let's kind of clarify trauma here because that can be a little bit, that's a tricky word. I would say, I would use it in this context as say like a, a negative experience that one must overcome later in life to achieve a level of, of happiness and fulfillment, right? So a barrier to entry to like self-fulfillment um, or, or happiness more generally. Okay, so we just let's just use that framework now. We can discuss that later if we need to, but we can use that framework for now. So, scale the problem. If I were to say, based on the narratives now, and I know a lot of you out there are conservatives, what's a bigger problem? Christianity? Or religious indoctrination? Or woke indoctrination? Your response to that question would have a lot to do with what you believe. Now, we'll put this out there. No one that's in a cult thinks they're in a cult. Jonestown, Waco. Didn't think they were in a cult. They thought they were in the right. They thought they had found the capital T truth. Now, wokeism can be viewed very similar to a religion because it's based on faith and not facts. Just like religion. So, what I can tell you is I've met one kid who is non-binary, right? She was like nine. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, we'll see how that goes, right? But I know dozens and dozens of people who have struggled overcoming religious trauma from being indoctrinated into faith-based belief systems at a young age. A lot of that comes in the form of unhappy marriages that don't really work out. Um, With me, it was a lot of sex shame and shame around my sexuality, uh, and desires and this kind of preconceived idea that's programmed by the church that I'm a broken person and I need to be saved. That fucked me up. That fucked me up bad. It took me years to get over that. And it was sneaky. It was sneaky into parts of my life that I didn't even notice until someone else had pointed out to me. <sighs> the product of religious indoctrination. So, What I'm talking about here, if we think about the problem of indoctrination of kids in the same way that we think about gun violence, a very small portion of the problem gets a lot of the attention. And right now, that very small portion is wokeness. But what we have is a broader problem of indoctrinating kids into faith-based ideologies that limit free thinking that limit cognitive development, right? As a child, your mind is being wired, okay? Neurons in your brain, neurons that fire together, wire together, right? It's how addiction becomes a thing, gambling addiction, sex addiction, drug addiction, but particularly non-chemical related addictions, Porn addiction is a good one. You're creating smooth pathways in your brain for those neurons to fire together to create cravings and create a desired response, even though it diminishes over time. 
So at a formidable young age, you're ripe for indoctrination, right? It's really easy to get a kid to believe in God and hell and sin and brokenness when they're at the age where they still think there's monsters under their bed. And let's not be, let's not get it twisted here, right? This isn't about Christianity as much as it's about the church. And the church has perverse incentives, many of them financial, not spiritual. So it does them a service to indoctrinate kids. They'll probably keep about 50% of those kids will stay in the church. 50 will leave and do what I did and process that bullshit and reevaluate the way they want to live their lives. But if we're worried about the children, I would venture to say that more children that grow into adults that came out of a church are damaged by that experience then there are kids that deal with the random super woke teacher or critical race theory. So my thesis on the issue is maybe we should stop indoctrinating children and teach them how to think and allow them to truly choose for themselves what they want to believe, how they want to believe, where they want to put their faith, how they want to develop themselves spiritually, how they want to develop themselves sexually, what's right and wrong on their scale of morality, how they, what kind of relationships they want to be in, try different things on without shame, without friction. To me, that's the epitome of freedom. Now, of course, these things come at a certain age, but that's mostly natural, post-puberty. Before that, kids are just kids. After that, they're monsters. But it seems like the tug of war is over how to indoctrinate kids, not whether or not we should indoctrinate kids. And that is something to think about. Love you guys. Thank you for hanging with me today. Whoa, I hit too many buttons over here. Had them both going at the same time. That's weird. Anyways, <laughs> thanks for hanging with me today. You know I respect and love you guys. Join the Patreon to support our sponsors. And keep your fucking head on straight. See you next time. Bye-bye.